welcome to the Inspired Riding Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Lauren Parrish. As a certified riding instructor, remote coach, and animal communicator, I bridge the gap between your inner and outer worlds as you strive to enhance all aspects of your riding. I'm here to remind you that you are powerful and more than capable of changing your reality with your horse time. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you my origin story of how I got started riding and teaching and all the ups and downs in between. My great uncle was a fox hunter, and when I was five years old, he put me on a pony, and I remember it vividly. Even at five, I thought, wow, this is so cool. I get to sit on this animal and it doesn't seem to mind. My uncle was a super kind, loving, generous human, and he had a big presence in my life. And when I turned eight years old, he passed away from cancer. I wanted to honor him in some way. So even at eight years old, I started thinking, what can I do? What can I do? I turned to my parents and said, can I please take riding lessons to keep it in the family? Now granted, they were all city folk, so my family was a little bit taken aback, like, well, I guess we can try and find you a place. (laughs) So they found me a local place, this is on Long Island, New York, about 10 minutes from where we lived, and it was just a little barn, they had some nice little horses, and I got the basics installed, but they were not very kind in their instruction, and I was getting like these weird butterflies before I'd go ride, and at first I thought it was just because I was excited, but it actually was definitely a sign that something was kind of off there, and it was just those instructors were just not nice. They were just very grumpy, and they would yell at us, so I told my parents that I really wanted to keep riding, but I wanted to find somewhere else where I can learn more and feel more supported. So we found another place about 30 minutes away, and that became my home away from home. So it was a beautiful riding school, and they also had a summer camp, and the school horses were just amazing. All of them were just incredible souls, and they really, really took care of all their riders. And I learned so much from all of those horses and all the instructors there, and I was very lucky. I did a lot of jumping a lot of fun local competitions, and overall just had the most amazing experiences. And then I had one trainer in particular I really enjoyed, and she moved to another barn, and so I went with her, and she granted me access to her amazing retired event horse. His name was Calcutta. Calcutta loved bananas, and he loved to jump. And by I mean love, he loved it. Like, We went to a horse show, our first one, it was an indoor arena, and we were jumping our course, and I was doing my finishing circle, and then all of a sudden he starts pulling me towards more jumps, and we've jumped three or four extra than we were expecting, (laughs) and I finally had to steer him into the wall to get him to stop. Now, he was an appendix, which is thoroughbred quarter horse cross about 15'3", and I was like 11 years old and maybe 90 pounds soaking wet (laughs) at the time. So I was this little thing trying to negotiate the big powerhouse. And he was completely safe, he just was getting quick. And so 
I later on learned how to negotiate him, and I was so grateful, and I ended up doing more shows with him later, and he was just one of the best teachers, and his owner was a phenomenal teacher, and she learned a lot from Sally Swift with Center of Riding and with Ann Gribbins, beautiful dressage rider. So I was very blessed to learn how to ride dressage in between the jumps, as they say. So after taking wonderful lessons from her, of course, I went on to college and I got a degree in international studies. And I was very lucky I found some really wonderful barns where I could be a working student and continue my passion. And then from there, I thought I would maybe try to work for the UN or an international organization after graduation, and then decided, you know what, let me just take the summer off and find something completely different to do. And I had remembered that my mom had come to visit me in college, and I gave her a lesson. And I really enjoyed teaching her. And I thought, you know what, why don't I try teaching riding a little bit? So I found actually a summer camp in Maine that had every different sport you could imagine, including horses. And horses were just kind of like on the side. And I met the most amazing humans I've ever met in the horse industry. And <laughs> I was taught how to teach. And then I bonded with all the other instructors. And we had just a beautiful, beautiful summer teaching children and getting to ride the horses in between. So when I finished that whole summer, I thought, okay, I think I found my calling. And my parents were like, oh, what about the degree? I'm like, well, at least I know I can relate to humans as well. <laughs> so I moved on back to New York, where I'm from, moved in with my parents again to get sorted. And from there, I found the Chelsea Piers Equestrian Center right in Manhattan, all the way on the west side of 34th Street, I believe, 33rd, somewhere around there, right near the, if you pass the Flatiron Building, you keep going until you hit water, basically. And they had this huge indoor arena with about 40 horses. And that interview was something else. I basically called them, cold called them, and asked if they needed instructors. And they said, actually, we do. Come on in with your riding clothes on. Okay. So I showed up, and the manager took one look at me, looked at the groom, and said, go get Quebec. And I thought to myself, who's Quebec? I wonder what I'm in for. <laughs> so they didn't say anything else. They just handed me the horse and said, go ride around, walk Trot Canner. I said, yes, sir, and went ahead and walked Trot Canner. Everything was fine, hopped off. The manager nods and says, follow me to the office. And we had a lovely chat as if I had already gotten the job. And he was telling me about how the school worked and everything. And I thought in my mind, well, that was the coolest interview. But he hasn't even seen me teach. This is so weird. And I came to find out later that this mare was really sensitive and she would be known to rear and eject her riders if she didn't like them. So I thought it was a really nice compliment that I got to stay on. And I figured, well, I landed a dream job, so I'm not going to worry too much about this. <laughs> so I ended up having uh, probably about 30 students at this facility. And there were about eight or nine other instructors. And since I was on Long Island, going into New York City, driving every day, I ended up leaving super early because you never knew about the traffic. So I would get there like one or two hours before my riding lessons would start. And so the manager let me start schooling all the horses there. 
so I got to ride, and then if there was an instructor that wasn't busy, I would get riding lessons from them. So I was really adamant about learning as much as I could. I became the biggest sponge in order to help with my teaching career. And I learned how to be humorous and focus on safety all the time. I had some amazing students all ages. I had little kids coming for pony rides. I had um, a set of twins that were just learning how to jump and their parents were taking lessons at the same time because the whole family was working towards um, European vacations on horseback. I really loved the variety of all the different students and ages and different levels that I got to work with. But after a while being in New York City, I started feeling sad about the horses not getting out and having a real life. Plus, it was just so cold for me. So I decided to head west. I had a dear friend in California, and I had visited her once before, and I knew I really liked the state, so I just started interviewing at different barns. And I ended up working for a woman who needed help with her beginner program, and we also took horses off the track thoroughbred racehorses and we trained them how to be good riding horses and taught them how to jump. So that was quite the experience. I was there for a good year and I met the most amazing Arabian in my life who became my horse. His name was Biffy and I still remember the first day we met. I was walking through the barn aisle and my new boss was telling me that this was going to be my main lesson horse that I got to work with and he was being leased there and the owner really didn't have time for him so he was just in full care there. So I walked up to him and he had the cutest face and the softest eyes and I could feel him look at me and think, who are you? And I just immediately fell in love and he had the flaxen mane and tail with the gorgeous chestnut potty and a beautiful white stripe. And he was the steadiest lesson horse I had ever met. And he would actually stop if the children were off balance and just wait for them to figure things out. If I was teaching on a lunge line and the student lost their stirrup on the side I couldn't see, he would actually stop and look at their foot. So I would look around and notice, oh, they've lost their stirrup. He was just so intuitive and so kind. And he absolutely knew who was riding him. I could get on and have a blast and gallop around and then we'd go back to putting him with beginner riders and he would get really slow and really careful. He was just such a sweetheart. And one day the owner showed up and we hadn't seen her since I had started teaching. And this is almost a year. And she said, I have to sell him. My daughter's in financial trouble. And my heart just dropped. And I thought, I cannot lose this horse. And I had just purchased my first horse, this beautiful thoroughbred named Dee. And we were having a blast together. And I'm thinking, how am I going to afford two horses? I really need this horse, though. So she was amazing in that she let me do a payment plan. And all of a sudden, I had two horses. And it was such a blessing. Biffy was the sweetest, kindest horse. And we did so much together. And, of course, Dee, my thoroughbred, was also really fun. He was very spunky. And I found him through another dressage trainer. And we had a really good time jumping and going on trails. So somehow I managed to have two horses and do a beginner riding program. And we had a really good time. Although I have to say that as I was retraining these racehorses, I started to develop fear. I started falling off more. And at one point, one morning I woke up 
and a voice inside of me said, you're going to fall off today. And, you know, me being in my early 20s and a very diligent worker and someone who just has to trudge along and do what my boss says and be a good rider and be a good trainer, I thought, ah, that was weird. Whatever, I'll just go ahead and ride. No big deal. Ah, yes, you must listen. <laughs> so I was riding the 17th Lessan thoroughbred, and I had actually come off him a couple times before, so this was actually no surprise, but he did buck really hard. Uh, that came out of nowhere. We were just trotting along beautifully, and that buck was so hard that I slammed down onto the ground and had a compound fracture. Um, my elbow moved over to the side, and I also had uh, a metal plate being put into my forearm. So four hours later, surgery happened, and I woke up and thought, I knew this was going to happen. I had a voice warn me, and I did nothing about it. Ah, so that was my first big warning, danger Will Robinson <laughs> moment inside. My intuitive self, my inner guidance was saying, hello, you need to listen. So now I have this beautiful scar on my arm that reminds me all the time. So with that said, after that surgery, I decided to part ways with that program and I moved down to Southern California and started working with another trainer after my rehab and I learned about Western pleasure riding with my little Arabian and he actually loved it and we did more the traditional way. It wasn't that really scary looking Western pleasure where it's all disjointed and looking lame. I just let him move out and I just kept him collected and he loved it and I liked it for a little while but then I honestly got bored and so he and I had this little thing going where we'd go to these local shows and he'd get to do the Western Pleasure classes in the beginning and then like the little kids would ride him in the walk trot classes and then the afternoon I would take him into the English classes and do little jumps and that was the routine and we did probably about a dozen of these shows and I think on the 13th show, <laughs> they switched the times around, so it was English jumping first, and then Western Pleasure was at the end of the day, and Biffy did not like that, so we were in the warm-up arena just going over a little cross rail, and he was so mad that he was not in his Western gear that he decided to refuse this little cross rail, and I went flying, landed on my butt. I started laughing and realized, okay, I get it. We're not doing your routine. I'm very sorry. <laughs> so... He was throwing a bit of a tantrum, and I said, you know what, we don't need to do this show at all. And that was when I was reminded to always make sure that you keep your promises to your horses. It's very important. So I continued on, and I had my own riding schools for a few years. I moved barns many times, and I ended up selling my first horse, D, to a really lovely couple. And I just kept Biffy because he really was my heart horse. And we taught tons of lessons, and I met many other riders and horses along the way. And it wasn't until I met my husband who convinced me to eventually move to Texas when we got married. And that's when I developed Inspired Riding. So what is Inspired Riding? It's a unique system for heart-based equestrians. When we moved to Texas, a state known for independence and friendship, I had an innate desire to cultivate a unique system of teaching riding. The focus was mainly on following your heart, your intuition, and listening to what your horse needs in each moment. I decided to call the system Inspired Riding. 
An inspired writer is one who can get into a state of receptiveness in order to listen to their inner guidance with horses. It's what I've been doing for most of my life to some degree. I was ready to accept my gifts and step into who I truly was with my business. What happens when I'm in this state of receptiveness is that I feel like I'm divinely guided when I teach each student. I can allow the lessons to stream in from universal source energy with the ideas and images that would be most useful. I encourage my students to be very open with expressing their inner guidance as well. It becomes more of an open dialogue between horse rider and instructor. There is usually a loose plan involved that can easily change as the lesson progresses. It can shift into what is needed most in the moment. The horses often express through attitude, movement, and sometimes clear thoughts exactly what they need from their riders. I can sense what they feel and convey that to my students. Some of my students, actually most when they get quiet enough, can sense it too. I'm the first to ask my student, what do you think would help your horse right now? The process of becoming an inspired rider is simple but not easy. It's about developing a state of awareness that allows you to understand what's going on with yourself and your horse at the same time. As you begin to become more aware, your abilities as a rider and as a more caring human being will skyrocket. Within this system, you will become more confident in understanding how to assist your horse, so you may become the ultimate dance partners for each other. I truly believe that most horses have incredible generous hearts and absolutely love to show us what it's like to move like them. Getting back to my story of all the moves, the highlight of living in Texas was getting to lease a property on 10 acres in the woods. The horses got to roam around and feel like real horses in a herd. And I had students coming to take lessons. And we had beautiful little trails within the woods and a gorgeous open dressage arena. And I took my students to horse shows. And I was also a mobile trainer, so I worked for other people who owned horses at their homes and went and worked with their horses and got them to feel more confident. I had an absolutely beautiful time in Texas and even though the weather was pretty rough, the humans had big hearts and I enjoyed every single one of my interactions and I was really blessed to have all those years to look back on. Unfortunately in 2005 there was a big wildfire and that property was lost Thank goodness we were able to get all the animals out and get ourselves out safely, but everything we owned was gone. And it really made us have a whole new perspective on life, and we could see how much support we actually had. People we didn't even know were helping us, and it just moved us to tears all the time. So once we were kind of displaced for a while, we had to decide what to do. At the time, we had five horses. So I ended up giving back the mare that I was working with back to her original owner. And then we gave another horse to a friend. So then we were left with three. And at that time, Biffy had already passed away. So we had Bentley, Indy, and Keeper. And we brought them to a really nice boarding facility and ended up just finding a nice apartment to live out of for a while. 
and I worked at several different barns, and I even worked at the barn where we were boarding the horses just to help pay for the board, because we hadn't had to do that since we were leasing that property. And there were a lot of adjustments, and it just felt like, even though I was still able to teach and train, something just didn't feel quite right anymore. So, I did my best and kept teaching and keeping a positive outlook on life, and I got really busy because I still love to teach, and so I think I was working with, I would say, at least 15 students and four horses in training, and I was starting to get a little bit tired, and I wasn't listening to my intuition, and at one point, I was working with Indy, beautiful thoroughbred, super sensitive, and he was trying to tell me that he didn't really like his new saddle, and we had an okay ride, and I thought, oh, I think I'll just go just a little bit more and see if we can work through some stuff. And sure enough, he spooked, bucked, and I was flying through the air. I landed on the ground and was immediately in pain. I tried to stand up, and my whole leg just gave out. It ended up where I tore both ligaments in my left knee, ACL and MCL. So I had to do physical therapy for almost a month just to get the mobility back and the swelling to go down to have surgery. So I had surgery and started physical therapy again, and we decided to move to Atlanta, Georgia. My husband is a stunt coordinator, so we knew that there would be more opportunities for him to work in Atlanta where they had more filming and I could recover. So as sad as it was to leave all of my friends and clients back in the Texas, I knew that we needed to make this change. So when we moved to Atlanta, we ended up buying a home and found property for the horses, and we were so happy. And I was doing really well. I was doing physical therapy and starting to have a brighter outlook because I knew I was getting closer and closer to being able to ride again. Because after the surgery, they said it might take about nine months, and that was the longest I ever had to wait before I could ride again. So I was at the six-month point, and I was not feeling myself that morning. I was a little bit scattered. And we were about to go run some errands, and my husband was out in the car trying to move some stuff so we could let the dogs come with us because it's a nice, cool morning. And I was not paying attention, and I slipped on the tile floor. There was a, a piece of a bone that my dogs were chewing on, and my heel caught it just so. I slipped and slammed down on the ground, and I broke my femur on the same side as the knee surgery leg. Yep, that happened. <laughs> so I've never had that much pain in my life, and I would never wish that upon anyone. So yes, I had surgery. I had to wait two days because it was also Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> and the uh, surgeon said, well, let's wait till Monday when everyone's here. So I had two nights of waiting in pain until I could go under and have that fixed. So now I have a 9-inch plate in my leg, same side as the knee surgery, where I had some anchor put in there. So I'm pretty much a bionic woman now. I've got the arm and the leg and the knee. So finally recovered from the femur surgery. That took a lot longer, and I was on a walker for a very long time. And let me tell you, it puts the world on a whole new perspective when you can't even walk around. And I am so much more grateful for just being able to get out of bed. 
and walk to the bathroom all by myself. <laughs> so there are so many things that I've shifted my perspective on from losing all the things from the fire and then having the surgeries. I've had a couple more, won't even get into that right now. But in any case, I just want to remind you that if you're going through something right now, you can change your perspective on it and start to feel grateful for every little detail in your life, even if it's just for being able to wake up. So I just wanted to give you that little energetic hug and let you know you're not alone and you will get through this. So yes, I did get through it and I'm now pretty much fully recovered. I mean, I can't run, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm lucky that I can walk pretty quickly and I have just started to do maybe a little bit of pretend canter by myself in the arena. <laughs> it's not pretty. I will not win many points at a dressage show if I was a horse, but the fact that I could have a little bit of spring in my step and do a pretend canter is fun because I used to do that all the time when I was doing a demo for a student. I would say, watch me, look, this is how you do a flying knee change. <laughs> it would always make my students laugh. So in any case, I just wanted to share all of that with you and let you know that I've been through it and I can help you if you're interested. So feel free to reach out on my website, inspiredriding.com. I do remote coaching. I have online courses and I also do animal communication as well. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed some of these stories and I'll definitely go into more details about some of the other horses at another time. And if you have ideas on what else you'd like me to chat about, feel free to reach out as well. Thank you so much for listening.